Church, today we're going to continue in our sermon series that we started. This would be week three of the I Am sermon series. And what we're doing is we're, we're looking at the four of the seven statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John where he was talking about who he was and he was giving us the characteristics of who he is and was and and we talked about Jesus being the resurrection and the light and then last week we talked about him being the good shepherd in Acts chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 we read this every single week this month it says this Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Today, church, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about one of the most inspirational, life-changing I am statements that Jesus made in John. That's where our text is going to come from today. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he made this statement when he said this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Church, this tells us that if, if, church, we follow Jesus Christ, that we will never walk in darkness. And that's a good thing, isn't it, church? Because darkness is scary. The dark can be a very scary thing for, for any of us. You know, how many of you were afraid of the dark when you were a kid? Right, you, you were petrified of it. Some of you, you, you were fortunate enough maybe to grow up, you had a nightlight. I'm not saying my parents wouldn't give me a nightlight. Well, maybe they wouldn't because I didn't have one. But you had a nightlight in your room, right? And you could not possibly go to sleep without that nightlight being on. And heaven forbid, the closet door would be open a crack because you know what was in that closet. You had to have your nightlight on. The the closet had to be completely sealed up and closed or couldn't even be a crack in it because something could get out and get you in the middle of the night. And all you needed was that little bit of light, closed closet door, and you could be sleeping. But there was also, church, the fact that you wouldn't let your leg hang over the bed, would you? Or your arm. Because you know something could easily reach up and just pull you underneath there. And then if you had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, what would you do? You would jump as far as you could away from that bed. So you were out of harm's way. But you know what I'm talking, right, church? You know exactly what I'm talking about. A little bit of light changes everything. A little bit of light changes everything. You put on a light and then suddenly the darkness isn't scary. With church in God's word, all through the scripture, it says this, that you see that, that the light is contrasted with the darkness, right? In the beginning, right, God spoke and he said what? Let there be light. He separated the darkness from the light, the day from the night. And although the Bible and all through the Bible, God is referred to and is called the light. Our spiritual enemy, Satan, though, what is he called? He's called the prince of darkness. He's called the prince of darkness. So there's a contrast between light and darkness, between God and Satan. And when Jesus, when Jesus told Saul something, he contrasted light and darkness. In Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, he said this, And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God 
They will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So we see this contrast, church, between light and dark. And Jesus is making this life-changing statement. He says, whoever will follow me will never walk in darkness, but they will have light of life. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, if you grew up in church, you've heard this statement before, right? You've heard this statement before, but most people don't know the context. They don't know the story behind that statement, which Jesus said, I am the light. Some of you may know this story is the woman who got caught in adultery. You know, I I preached about it before, but today I want us to look at it differently. I want us to look at it differently. I want to break this story down into three parts to make it easier for you to understand. See, we're going to look at the law, we're going to look at the love, and we're going to look at the light. And the very first thing I want you to get today is the law and what the law reveals. John chapter 8, if you'll go back to John with me. In John chapter 8, I want to read to you verses 2 through 6, and it says this, but early the next morning, meaning Jesus... He was back at the temple when a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and they said this, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. And so what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So church, let's, let's look at this for a minute. So somehow these legalistic guys caught this couple in the act. So th- this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And obviously they must have burst in the room when it was going on. And if you notice something here, the guy's not held accountable at all. So this woman's not fair, is it? but you know what so there was this married man and this woman was having an affair with a married man and we don't see this guy anywhere in the scripture so it's kind of a double standard I guess we could say right but they take this woman yes she was guilty she was definitely guilty yes she was wrong yes what she did church it was very sinful so they dragged her out after being caught in adultery and they dragged her out to humiliate her in public in front of people so no doubt this was the darkest most shame-filled humiliating moment of her life and they asked Jesus this they said should we stone her like the law says You know, when you look at verse 5 right there, it says the law of Moses says to stone her. As they was asking this, so so this is the law, church. But in verse 6, it goes on to say they were trying to trap him to saying something they could use against him. And so, see, they wanted to catch Jesus in a trap. It's kind of, any of you, you've ever had teenagers, right? When my boys were growing up, their favorite statement would be to me. They would look at me and say, but you said trying to trap me. They want to trap me in a statement that I said and use it against me later on. So these Pharisees are doing exactly that to Jesus. And they're saying, you know what, if you get caught in adultery, then you get stoned. Not recreationally speaking, by the way. You guys are slow this morning, man. Whew. 
you get stoned to death. They throw rocks at your head. That's what it meant. <laughs> so what the Pharisees were saying was true. It was exactly true. It was Moses' laws. They wanted to trap Jesus because if he said yes, if he said yes and said, you know what, it is right, you should stone her, then he would lose his reputation as being loving. But if he said no, if he said, you know what, let her off just this one time, what he would be doing is saying it's okay to commit adultery. So they were trying to trap him they were trying to trap him, and, and, and they were trying to catch him to make him look foolish and, and to discount, discredit him in front of a bunch of people, and Jesus was going to do something wild, church. Jesus is wild, isn't he? He was going to do something wild, and, and remember, the law, church, reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. People really are not good people. You say, oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're really not. You know, someone might say, well, she's a really good lady. No, she's not. She really isn't. Because you know what, church? We are sinful. We are horribly sinful in the eyes of God. And the law reveals our guilt, right? We, the Ten Commandments. How many of you have told a lie today already? Yeah, you know you have. Right? You told a lie already. How many of you stole something? I'm talking about something that wasn't yours. You took it. How many of you, how many of you have taken the Lord's name in vain? You know, I want to make sure there's something clear here. I had a kid ask me in youth group two weeks ago, what does that mean? And legitimately didn't know. So I want to make sure you know what it means too. So when you say, oh my God, what are you doing? You're taking the Lord's name in vain. When you say Jesus Christ, if you're like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You're taking the Lord's name in vain. Okay, I want to make sure you understand what that means. So how many of you have taken the Lord's name in vain? How many of you have looked lustfully at somebody? Church, listen, if you lie, you're a liar. If you steal, you're a thief. If you take the Lord's name in vain, then you are a blasphemer. If you look at another person lustfully, then you have committed adultery in your heart. So in other words, church, let me tell you what you are. You are lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterous people. That's what you are. Welcome to Wellsville First Christian Church. We want to make you feel happy today, okay? <laughs> I'd love to preach a feel-good sermon. <laughs> you know what? But seriously, church, until you see yourself as a sinner, you are never going to see the need for a Savior. Until you recognize this is who I am, until you recognize that I struggle because we all do. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, right, that all of us fall short of the glory of God. Until you recognize that, you're not going to recognize that you need a Savior. And so the law, church, reveals our guilt, when you break the commandments, that means you are guilty. So the law said, back to this lady, the law said that she was guilty. The law says that you and I, church, that we are guilty. The law reveals our guilt. And the second point I want you to get out of this story is this. The love, love reveals God's grace. Love reveals God's grace. Go back to the story in John chapter 8. 
In verse 6, it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. We don't know exactly what he was writing. The Bible doesn't make it clear. Some biblical scholars says that he was writing down the sins of the dudes that was accusing the lady. They're all standing around and he's writing down their sins in the dirt. Genius on his part, right? But in John chapter 8, verse 7, it says this. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw that first stone. Church, in that Greek language, as I read this, it says this, without sin, doesn't just mean without sin, church. It also means without even wanting to sin. And boy, we struggle there, don't we? We do. It isn't just focusing on that outward behavior, but it's also focusing on that inward heart that we have. Sometimes, church, our hearts can be nasty, can't they? They can be dark. So he said, all right, hey, guys, you know what? Any one of you never did anything wrong? You never even wanted to do anything wrong? Go ahead. You get to throw the first rock. Go ahead. Have at it, fellas. And so Jesus is going after something here that's really important. I want to make sure you get this this morning. These judgmental, arrogant guys have the same problem, church, the same exact problem that you and I have at one point or another. They have the same problem. See, it's incredibly easy to see everybody else's sins, isn't it? Boy, you can go around, well, she does this and he does this. You know, it's so easy to see what everybody else is doing, but it's really hard to look at the mirror and recognize your own. It's very difficult to do that. You know, have you ever noticed that? It's so easy to pick everybody else apart, to judge them, and to, to, to even sometimes, church, don't we even judge people the first time we see them? We judge them. We do this all the time. As parents, man, sometimes we do that too, don't we? Because my kid would never do that, but Jimmy over there, whoo, he bad. Right? Your kids are too. <laughs> When we was growing up, my mom was really good at, she wanted to make sure her kids looked good at church. I mean, we were dressed to the hilt, you know, for all you old folks here with the children's shop. She would go buy our clothes at a children's shop in Liverpool. We looked good on Sunday. We would take up a whole pew, all seven of us sitting there. People come by, Mrs. Blakely, your kids look so beautiful. They had no idea. <laughs> they didn't really know what they were looking at. We were ornery. But you know what? We do that all the time, right? We, we sit there and we look at things. We will judge things and, and we will believe things that aren't necessarily true. And so Jesus said this. He said, all right, guys, you who are without any sin whatsoever, you go ahead and throw that first rock. You throw that first stone. In John chapter 8, verse 8 through 11, it says this. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. He had more dirt on these guys, I guess. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You know what I find amazing in those verses that I just read to you right there? The Bible said the older ones left first. There's something about age and wisdom, isn't there? These guys are like, oh man, look what he's writing. I'm getting out. 
the young dumb ones, they hang around a little bit longer. Let him write some more stuff about them. But you see, so only Jesus and this sinful woman was left. They were the only two left standing there. And in verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Church, look at his grace right here. Look at Jesus' grace. So here's this woman. She's broken. She's ashamed. I'm talking the darkest hour of her life. And he says this. Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. Church, Jesus looked at her and spoke the most grace-filled words in history. The most grace-filled words in history. And I believe today, church, because when he said there, he said, now go. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. I believe there's someone here today. This is a big church. I believe there's some people who've walked in here today and they came in here with some shame. Maybe you came in here today with, with some agony over what you've done in your life or, or maybe who you are. And today I want to let you know something. If you get nothing out of this service today, I really want you to get this. I want to let you know that if you are, if, church, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no shame and no condemnation for you. The Bible says there is no shame or condemnation for those, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Church, his grace changes everything. Changes it all. You are not what you did. You are not who they say that you are. But you are who God says that you are. And because of his grace and his grace only, if you are in Christ Jesus, that means you know him. I want to make sure you understand what that means. It doesn't mean that I know all the Bible stories. It doesn't mean that I go to church all the time. It means this. If you are in Christ Jesus, it means that you have accepted him, that he lives in your heart, that you recognize him as your Lord and your Savior. There is no condemnation for you. That's who that's for. But do you know what? There is an accuser. Don't you hate to be accused of things? I can't stand to be accused of things. But there is an accuser, and his name is Satan, church. In Revelation chapter 12, it calls him the accuser. It tells you who he is. And you can write this down, church. Mark this. Know that this is going to happen. He's going to hurl insults at you and accusations against you. He will do it constantly. And if you're like me, if you're exactly like me, you know this very well because he loves to get in my ear. And I believe that he probably likes to get in your ear too. And that voice, that voice that says to you, remember what you've done? That voice that constantly is telling you like, yeah, you know how you messed up. That voice that was always telling you, you know what? God won't forgive you. You can never have a good marriage. You blew it big time. It's over for you. There's no hope whatsoever. That's what the accuser does. The accuser will also tell you, it's too late for you. He'll tell you this. He'll say, it's for everybody but you. And what really breaks my heart, church, is this. 
a lot of people listen to him. A lot of people listen to the accuser and believe the accuser, but the voice, church, the voice of the Savior says otherwise. The voice of the Savior says otherwise. He says this, I am the light of the world. Jesus says that he is the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He makes that clear. So where are your accusers? He says, I'll send them away. So whenever the accuser accuses your your past, church, when he comes to you in your free time, when your mind doesn't have a lot going on, maybe you're driving in your car by yourself, maybe you're sitting in church right now, listen, and the accuser comes to you and starts accusing you and telling you about all the things that you've done in your life. For those of you who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, so I want you to do something. I want you to remind him of his future. You tell him about his future, that he is the one that's going down. He is the one who's going to be taken care of. He is the one that there is no hope for him. That's not you. Darkness never defeats light, church. Darkness never defeats light. You know what, church? I am guilty. You are guilty. We are all guilty of breaking the law. We are guilty in the eyes of a perfect and holy God. That's who he is. He is perfect and he is holy and you are guilty in front of him. Don't forget that. But I also want you to remember this. Remember this, that until we see ourselves as sinners, you will not see the need for a savior in your life. And so what Jesus does, he looks at this woman who was shamed. I'm sure shamed by every human being within 100 miles of her. Who knows? And he drives her condemners away. He drives them away. Check out verse 11 with me, if you will. John chapter 8, verse 11, she says, no one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Listen, that was a declaration. It wasn't a statement. It was a declaration. He said, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. He doesn't say, you know what, girl? I know you've had it rough in your life. That's the reason you act this way. You know, he didn't say that, I know you had a hard time dealing with this. You know what? And you're going to be here again. He doesn't say that. He he doesn't say that, you know what? Just do your best not to sleep with married men, but you can go sleep with all the single ones. He didn't say that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that with our own darkness. Church, listen, he doesn't say to a guy, I, give you, I forgive you for lusting after pornography. He doesn't look at you and say, you know what? I know you'll probably do it again because you're a red-blooded American guy and that's what guys do. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I know you will always struggle with gossiping because you ain't got nothing else going on in your life so you got to talk about everybody else. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you know, just try not to gossip during the holidays and ruin everybody's family get-togethers. He doesn't say that. What does he do with this woman? The same thing I believe he does with us. He says, I don't condemn you. He says, go now and sin no more. He's saying, go and leave behind your life of sin. He said, go now. He didn't say later on. Man, I've met a lot of Christians. They're they're like, I'm going to deal with that heavy sin later. I'll get that low-hanging fruit, the easy stuff. Let me work on that, and then I'll catch that stuff later. He says, no, go now and leave that life of sin. You know, you may be flirting with adultery, or maybe you're in adultery, church. 
the love of grace, the love and grace of our God says go now. It says to go now. Go now out of that shame. Go now out of that self-hatred. Go now out of the condemnation of others. He's saying you don't have to live here anymore. You no longer have to be there because you know what church? When light shows up, the darkness has to flee. There is no options. There's no options. The light reveals our hope. That's the third point I want you to get today is this. The light reveals our hope. Again, I want you to get John 8, 11. No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. See, Jesus, he's being a little bit preachy here, isn't he? It's funny. You know, people come to church, but they hate it when the preacher's preachy with them. Right? You don't like it when the preacher's telling you like it is. You only want those feel-good messages. And Jesus was straight up with her. He said, I forgave you, but stop it. Stop. Stop living that life that way. You got to turn from that lifestyle and, and move on. Church, we can't always be those people who are always just saying, well, you know, God knows I ain't perfect. You better believe he knows you're not perfect, but that's no excuse. We cannot live our lives that way. He told that woman, he said, I forgive you, but you got to stop. You got to go now away from that life. Church, when you get saved, when you recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you are to do is you are to be brand new. You are to be a new creation. You stop living your life the old way. I didn't say you might not make a mistake, but you stop living your life your old way. You turn around and head in the other direction. You don't keep living and riding that grace wave. You know what the grace wave is? Like, God's going to forgive me anyway, so I'm just good. Mm -mm. Doesn't work that way. If your logic is thinking that way, you got you to retune, okay? You got to rethink what you're doing. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he said this. He said, I have come as a light to shine. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong one. Here's 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. Churches, I asked the praise team to come up here this morning. I want you to understand he was encouraging her. He was encouraging this woman. He's saying, you don't have to live in that darkness anymore. You can be different. You no longer have to be there. You can be different. You don't have to hurt like you were hurting before. You don't have to. It's, it's not required of you. You don't have to live in shame like you were living before. It's not necessary. You don't have to live in self-condemnation and self-hatred because of your bad decisions. You don't have to do that anymore. He's saying, you can be different. You don't have to be like the rest of the world. You don't have to be like those people you work with. You don't have to be like those people you go to school with. You can be different. And Jesus said, he said, go now and sin no more. Church, do you realize he actually becomes the light of our world? He becomes the light. And so when you believe this, church, it becomes personal. Not just because you read the stories. When you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it becomes personal. 
There's a lot of things in life that we do that aren't personal. Maybe you have a job where you're just punching a clock. It's nothing personal. Had those jobs before. The job I have now is personal. I live it. I have to breathe it and realize it. And the same as a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is personal. And when this becomes personal to you, when he really and truly becomes your personal life, the voice of Satan, the voice of Satan will tell you, you can't do it. The voice of Satan will tell you, you won't do it. The voice of Satan will tell you, you'll never do it. You never will. But I want you to know that this talk can be silenced. This talk can be silenced in the presence of his grace, of his mercy, and of his goodness. So when you follow him, church, you will never have to walk in darkness. So this morning, those of you who are here and you're struggling because the accuser is just constantly telling you things, I want to tell you, you no longer have to live that way because it comes down to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That he will take all your garbage. He'll take your sin, he'll take your shame. He'll take all the accusations. Church, you are not who the enemy says you are. You are not who your neighbor says that you are. You are not who the people at work say you are. You are not who the people at school says you are. You are a child of God. And it's time for you to recognize that. It's time for you to be set free. It's time for you to walk in the light. And that only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, and you break it down like this. It has to be personal. Saying, Lord, I accept you. I'm talking about you accept him. You admit that you have broken those commandments. And you're like, Lord, I'm sorry for that. You confess your sins to him. You ask for forgiveness. Church, you invite Christ in your heart and then you follow him in Christian baptism. And listen, he transforms you then and only then can you walk in the light. Then and only then can the darkness flee. So for those of you who are walking in darkness right now, you don't have to. It's your choice. The darkness can flee. It's just the sound of his name. And it's Jesus. So this morning, if that hit you hard, I hope it did. I want to encourage you, come up front. Let today be the day saying, you know what? I'm done walking in the darkness. I'm done listening to the accuser. I'm done living a life that's a lie. I want it to be real. I want it to be personal. You come up front, we'll pray with you. We'll walk you through what you got to do next. And for the rest of you believers who are here today, and some of you, you know what? You're coming to church this morning and you've been believing the lies of the enemy again. You forgot who you are. You're forgotten who it is that God has told you that you are. And you're starting to believe some of them lies again. Listen, church, it's time for you to shed that one more time. You give it to him again. Some of you, you might have to give it again tomorrow. Some of you might have to give it again on Tuesday. But church, you continue to give it to him. And you walk into what it is he's called you to. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.